try to have something for everyone. So we do get a lot of families. And I get a lot of feedback afterwards. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm so happy that my I could bring my kid to a place where they felt at home because maybe they're into something they're different, you know, and they finally have a place where they can go and they can see other people who are into different things. And that makes me, like, almost emotional because I'm like, I'm glad. Like, that's the whole point is for people to come and have a place where they feel it's fine like they feel normal they can come here and they can discover you know their new favorite artist their new you know favorite vendors welcome to another episode of death science podcast where we explore new perspectives on life death dying and the dead now please like share and subscribe to support you can find the audio on all major podcast platforms and you can find the video at on youtube at www.catacomb.tv. Learn more about the show at deathscience.org. Now, welcome to episode number three. Today's guest is Michelle Casalio, the co-owner and organizer of the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. We'll be talking about oddities, curiosities, dark artists, as well as must-know vendors, as well as expos around the United States. Also, travel tips for around the United States, gardening ideas, and so, so much more. But before we get started, I want to talk about catacomb culture. This is where I sell my sculptures. My sculptures being functional home decor, I make out of hyper-realistic human bone sculptures that I also make. From human bone lamps to food-safe skull bowls and goblets, great for eating and drinking out of, I make a lot of momentumory-friendly pieces that serve as reminders that our lifespans are limited, so let's make the best out of the time we have left. Explore my bone gallery at catacombculture.com. Also, restinggrounds.org will guide you in exploring alternative post-life care for your deceased body. Listen, your deceased body has the potential to literally save lives, advance multiple fields of science, and so, so much more. To learn more, go to restinggrounds.org. Now let's meet Michelle and explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. On today's episode, we are here with Michelle Casalio, and she is the owner, co-founder of Oddities and Curiosities Expo. Welcome to the Catacombs, Michelle. How are you today? Hi, thanks for having me. I am great. How are you guys? Awesome. Good, good. Just hanging in there, making the best out of the the isolation time as I can. How about you? Yeah, it's a uh, staying busy. Um, you know, try not to think about the impending doom. But other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> so let's start with uh, tell us a little bit more about the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. Yeah, so um, the Oddities and Curiosities Expo is um, an event that travels around the country, featuring vendors, dealers, artists with all things weird. Um, you know, we feature local artists, local vendors, and then we have traveling vendors that come with us from all over the country. Awesome. So yeah. what uh, what can people expect if they were to attend the Oddities and Curiosities Expo? Um, well, all kinds of stuff, really. I mean, we really focus on having something weird for everyone. So, you know, we really get a large demographic that comes out because they hear our name, you know, Oddities and Curiosities Expo, and they think... Oh, I wonder, you know, what I'll see there. It piques their interest. So, um, you know, when you come in, you can see all kinds of different dealers and vendors with things ranging from, you know, dark art, taxidermy, skulls, bones, um, antiques, collectibles, um, really, like I said, all over the map of all things weird, um, even just, you know, Halloween-inspired items. I really think it's important to have a little bit of everything. So, um, and then with that, we like to keep people around, hanging out, um, make a new friend, meet an old friend, and all of that. So we have sideshow performers on stage all day, taxidermy classes, um, live human suspension, so some other interactive things as well. Awesome. What are some... Oh, so you mentioned that you... Uh, well, I know that you tour all over the United States. What, what kind yeah. of cities, what kind of uh, venues do you typically vend at? Well, um, so this past year, so 2020, we have gone to a lot of convention centers, 
And we choose the cities really just for, off of social media. And when we just when we first started, we're like, where should we go? You know, we're from Oklahoma, so it's like a state that's uh, really boring. And that's kind of how it all started. Is like, you know, something cool should happen here. Let's let's do this. And then you know we started focusing on other cities that stuff like this isn't really prominent. You know, it's there's not a lot of fun or unique things to do there. So, um, you know, we went to Kansas City and, like, you know, Denver, which Denver, Colorado is a big city, but it's great. But, um, you know, it just it grew from there. And now it's really hard to believe that we started in little kind of, like, expo centers and now we're in, like, big, really nice convention centers, which the amenities that come with that is really great. And I think it's good to pass on to the vendors and give them more for, you know, what we're getting. So, so it sounds like it started with um, this this sense of uh, alienation and isolation that like there wasn't anything really you, you didn't really feel connected with your area the public events that were happening in your local area so you, that kind of brought up this drive to gather your people so to speak and gather everything you vibe with um, it's really cool how it grew yeah yeah, and, and, you know, my husband and I have been doing kind of, like, unique and different events since 2013. So, you know, we would, we're really involved in the music community here. So, um, you know, we'll have, like, a record convention or, like, a little flea market involving music and, like, punk and hardcore and metal and stuff like that. And, you know, as an oddities collector myself throughout that whole time, I'm like, oh, what if we had, like, you know, an event that was just focusing on, like, oddities or just strange things which i thought was going to be like way smaller than all the other stuff i did like me and my like 20 friends with all of our weird stuff and it was at the first one here in tulsa where we live was at like an american legion like really small and uh, yeah it ended up growing into what it is now which is awesome (laughs) so you started at an american legion like out of all yeah that's, that's really interesting that's kind of ironic too because the American Legion is like so, so heavy. It's such a heavy, crystallized representation of this culture and like the pride of America and the pride of mainstream culture. And then you you, you bring up like the total opposite, everything that's repressed and everything that's like not in the mainstream right into that, uh, that place. That's really cool. So. Yeah, the owners of the American Legion, we had done like a, kind of like a punk rock flea market type event there before. And I tried all these other little places around town and they were all like, yeah, we're not interested in having something like that at our venue. <laughs> and I'm like, fine, whatever. And then I go here and uh, they're like, yeah, sure. We'll try it out. And they had a bar there in the back that was like super cheap drinks, like $2 shots of Jameson and all of this. And we had our event and they made like their, sales day like their biggest sales day ever at the bar and they're like oh we really like you guys you should come back nice <laughs> so so that's uh i think that's how they kind of were like sure come on <laughs> so it's mutually beneficial that's a unique marriage uh, of uh different yeah. polarities yeah it was pretty great <laughs> now let's paint the picture here because uh just from doing the expos myself and vending there is just uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. The uh, the types of vendors, the things that everyone sells there and collects. And uh, tell me a little bit more about the performers and the classes that you offer that might be overlooked. Yeah, so um, our entertainment booker, she, I, you know, I've told her I really love classic side too. So all of the performers at all of our shows, they're they're different in every city we go to, but they all specialize in classic sideshow stunts. So they're all swallowing swords, you know, walking on glass, uh, you know, human pincushion. It's great. It's like all the fun stuff that people, you know, the people that come to our shows are like never seen something like this before, you know. And uh, I love that part of it is being able to support these like independent sideshow artists and give them a place to do this where they can actually have a large crowd. And, you know, I hear all the time after the shows that people get, you know, more follows after their performances and tons of tags and, you know, getting booked for other larger events. And I love that too. Um, And then we have the Life Human Suspension as well, which that team comes with us uh, really since we started our first big year traveling around the country. 
and uh, they're great. I-, I would never do it, but people love it, <laughs> and so uh, they're always have their own little section and crowd over there of people, you know, getting pierced or suspended or getting tattooed, depending on the state and what they allow. Um, and then the classes, they change each year. And this year we have a jackalope workshop. So, um, you know, it's a 30-person class and it's four hours long and people can come and, you know, articulate a, a jackalope. And, it's you know, it's pretty simple as far as like a, a beginner class. But if you can come and you pay the fee and you leave with a mounted jackalope, you know, it's pretty awesome for someone who's interested in taxidermy. Are there any uh, performers or anything that you're maybe looking for or that you wish you had on board? It's hard to say. I'm so open to everything. Um, Like I said, the classic stuff is really what I focus on having at the shows. But, I mean, we've had magic, which I love having magic. And it's pretty rare that we get a magician applying. And I'm like, I would like some more magic. (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned uh, each state is a little different than one another. Uh, Yeah, just from vending around and just seeing, uh, yeah, what people you know say that they can't sell like each state has different laws especially louisiana because i always have my eye on uh real human remains and all that stuff at the expos and yeah louisiana you cannot even possess you cannot own you cannot have human remains completely illegal whereas other states you know sure yeah whatever you want have it whatever but um maybe uh yeah share with us some observations that you've noticed from that vary from state to state yeah, yeah, like you said, Louisiana, they are very strict on human remains. I mean, we every time we actually have, um, like, the fish and wildlife people come to that show. And I think it's because for so long people still tried to deal, like, human skulls and human remains. And, yeah, I can't. <laughs> so, um, but most every other state we go to is pretty cool about almost everything. Um, California is really strict on taxidermy um i mean you can't even have some of the like really basic like deer or um a few other like really typical like you know uh, more popular i guess you could say taxidermy mounts there um yeah i'm trying to think of some other states that have really weird laws we haven't been to uh, virginia yet but virginia does as well yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i'm I'm actually still doing a bunch of research on exactly what everyone can have there because i I do the research before every event and you know well in advance like do i want to come here can i have anything can anyone have anything here and virginia is interesting there's some there's some like you could call them loopholes but I'm talking with the like fish and wildlife there and they're like, all right, you can have this type of, you know, whatever beer or you can't have this one or yeah, it's, it's interesting <laughs> to find out everywhere's, you know, references. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever captured any like problems with, with, uh, um, you know, like legal standards, maybe, maybe something that you weren't aware of or, you know, any, any problems like that arise at the expos? No, luckily, no. Um, We do, you know, we have people coming out, though, randomly at the shows. Like, sometimes we'll go five shows in a row and no one comes from the state. But when they do, it's like, I'm pretty pretty forward about, like, whenever you apply, you have to select, like, everything I have is legal in the state that we're going to. And though it's up to the vendors, you know, it's still something before every show starts. Me and my crew are walking around. I have a list and I'm making sure that I don't see anything that you're not supposed to have. And, you know, a couple of times we have come across some vendors who, especially mainly traveling with us, it's hard to keep up with all these states and what they want. So, um, you know, like, oh, you know, you can't have this in this state. I'm like, okay, sorry, you put it up. But luckily there's never been any, like, legal, actual, like, tickets given at a show or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're really careful in being very clear about um, the guidelines and making sure that the liability and responsibility is on the people who come to the show and not your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to like look out for everyone. So of course I want to, if I can catch it before and they just didn't know, then I would like to do that. I wouldn't want anyone to get in trouble, but also, you know, we don't want to get in trouble and it's, it's a, you know, it's a serious thing. And I think most people who have done our shows for a while know that, you know, I'm, 
treating them well, and so I want them to do the same and follow the guidelines because it's pretty simple to, you know, just be cool. <laughs> Are you aware of any, any, um, I guess you would call them like uh, political movements in the in the uh, field of law? like relating to what you're doing, maybe things that are strange or like forbidden by mainstream culture or um, the the current system of government at play. Are you familiar with any, uh, yeah, like movements to change the laws going into the mainstream and clearing that space to move? No, not really. Um, you know, I'm always keeping my eye out just to see, you know, if anything's changing, but... I mean, not really, no, luckily. I mean, there hasn't really been any pushback, um, you know, especially in any cities that we're going to. No one's, like, not wanting us to return because of what we had at the show or something, luckily. <laughs> um, kind of different, but we did have a venue confirm us and then look into what we were more, and then they're like, oh, we don't want this. We're uh, Christian-owned. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, all right. I think it's best we don't come anyway. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, Michelle, do you have any tips as to how one can research different states? Like where to begin looking if, uh, say, bull taxidermy is illegal in uh, Iowa or like if human skulls are illegal to possess in Florida? You know, like how do where do you begin researching such questions, like deep questions? Yeah. Um, so there is a website that I use and I think a lot of the other vendors use as well who really deal in, you know, who travel and kind of need to look at this. And, man, I, I think it's called the Green Wolf, um, like greenwolf.com, um, something like that. But it is super, like, in, it has so much information on it. You can choose federal, federal guidelines and you can choose per state. So it's easy, like, oh, what do they allow in, I don't know, Tennessee? And you can go there and you can see everything that's allowed, um, everything that's not allowed. And it's very, like, informational. I use that a lot, um, along with just, like, the actual state websites. It's kind of a pain, but, you know, you can go through and you can navigate to the correct department and find all the information. But... I definitely spend a lot of time doing that stuff, like when choosing a new city. Uh, it's great returning to cities, so I'm like, I already know, but these new states, it's, it takes a while to get it, and I try to pass it on with everyone, but um, sometimes it's good to just do your own homework, you know, mm -hmm. cover yourself. So. Mm. So you mentioned you once booked uh, a venue and then they were like, oh, actually, we don't want you anymore. You know, they kind of yeah. rejected you. Um, as far as these different communities in different cities, uh, what have you noticed? Has there been a lot of support? Has there been like uh, like deep subcultures of like oddity collectors and just the curious individuals? So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about like what you learned and what you experienced there. Yeah, well, I've learned a lot from the time we started. And then, you know, it's nice to go to a new city and see how people react. And a lot of times um, there's kind of the section of people that, with the feedback afterwards that, you know, it's not their thing. They're probably not going to come back. Uh, they thought it was weird or gross or whatever. And then there's, a, there's the majority who just loved it because they've never been able to go to something like this you know all the the only way they can have access to these types of artists or vendors is through the internet so i mean we get a lot of positive feedback when we leave a city and that's from the you know the venue so the like more so the like city side of it and then also the attendee side of it and i don't know it, it's it's crazy because every single city is different the crowds are different. I mean, I'm sure you know sometimes they're very pleasant and everyone's happy, and then sometimes maybe not. It it just it depends, and it's I don't know. I'm still learning, so it's kind of a hard question. I I don't know. I I learn every single show more and like something else to do better next time. So. Um, 
Yeah, it's a it's always a fun experience uh, when I'm set up uh, at my booth and just families show up, right? Because it's family friendly, yeah. so families show up, and I love watching the kids because they either have they have one or of two reactions. Some of the kids are completely petrified and just in <laughs> shock, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and then the other kids are just really excited they're just so happy to actually like see my skull see like what you could do yeah. with bones like articulate them and make them into all kinds of different functional home decor stuff um yeah it's just uh yeah i've always had a lot of fun at your events for sure um yeah, yeah just uh I, what, what kind of uh, family reactions have you seen around the event it, kind of the same you know it's uh a lot of, you know, like I said, we try to have something for everyone. So we do get a lot of families. And I get a lot of feedback afterwards from, you know, moms and stuff. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm so happy that my I could bring my kid to a place where they felt at home because mm-hmm. maybe they're into something they're different, you know. And they finally have a place where they can go and they can see other people who are into different things. And that makes me, like, almost emotional because I'm, like, I'm glad. Like, that's the whole point is for people to come and have a place where they feel it's fine. Like, they feel normal. They can come here and they can discover, you know, their new favorite artist or new, you know, favorite vendor or something. Um, but then, you know, there's the people who are like, this is too scary. This should be 18 plus. <laughs> I mean, I disagree. I think it should be all ages. I think everyone should be able to come. And you know, it's like we always also say online in our posts and on our website, parental discretion is advised. <laughs> if you think your child is going to be scared at seeing um, a human skull, then maybe, maybe the child should stay home. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm well, I welcome families. I mean, families are excited to go do something together. And if they can come to our event and have a good time, then that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget. It was in, I believe, oh, the last one I did. Oh, uh, North Carolina, Charlotte, Charlotte. I was uh, vending in Charlotte with you guys, and um, yeah, you know, a bunch of people coming in, hanging out at the booth, and this one family comes in, and the daughter, she must have been, oh boy, must have been maybe like six or seven years old and is like when I grow up I want to be a mortician I'm like yeah <laughs> and her mom was all supportive and she, mom was like pointing out like oh this is the teeth this is like the eye sockets I'm, and I was just encouraging I'm like yeah pick it up check it out feel it you know look at all the details and stuff yeah and it's it truly is a great place for families to come and explore like uh, an alternative culture for sure yeah 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 see stuff like that makes me so happy and it's like there are so many kids or just like younger, you know, teenagers even that aren't even aware that there's stuff like this out there. You know, they see it on the internet, but it's like people travel really long ways sometimes to come to our show. And it's great to hear the positive feedback, like people coming and feeling at home and like getting to talk with vendors and then like, I'm going to follow them now and then staying in touch and then coming back the next year and buying from them again is so awesome. <laughs> So, are there any things that you do not allow for sale at the Expos? Yeah. Um, as of this year, uh, we don't allow the sale of bats at all. So, any, like, taxidermy bats, any, like, mounted bats, nothing like that. And I made that decision at the end of last year because I'm a huge bat lover. And it's like, bats are awesome creatures. They're, you know, they're they're awesome. And everybody loves the framed bat or whatever Mm. and at the very beginning of our shows there wasn't that many in you know at the booth and so that was a few years ago and as time has gone on I noticed more and more it seems like every single person had framed bats or something and I'm like there's no way that this is being sourced like sourced sustainably at all so I just had to make that decision. It's it's like, it's hard because it's only gotten worse and worse. The whole like sustainable side of getting bats and like Indonesia and China and like, I just rather stay away from, you know, from having them at mm-hmm. the show. And it's hard because it's already sometimes there are the people that you have to convince. Like, no, I work really hard to make sure that everything in the show is sustainably sourced. 
you know, no one is killing the animal and, you know, doing their own taxidermy on it, bringing it to the show to sell. Like, that's not allowed. And I've, de- like, declined applications for people who are hunters and stuff like that because I just, I mean, I don't mind. I don't care what anyone does. But to me, I want the show to be focused on, like, sustainably sourced good. Mm. So, mm. so that's, that's the only thing right now. And, you know, as time progresses, I'll just keep an eye on, you know, how things are going. It's like things change and things like become more popular and then, mm. you know, they go away. So um, I'm pretty passionate about like the sustainable side of things and animals in general. So, mm. Yeah. I yeah. saw the one vendor, um, forgotten boneyard 3d prints, his bat yes. skeletons. I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, him is amazing. He, he, you know, I said that, and he was like, you know, I've already kind of been gearing towards, like, phasing out bats. And so, you know, it was awesome because some people, they just started making creative ways. How am I going to replace the bats I was selling? And, yeah, the 3D print, they're great. <laughs> and he started doing some other cool, like, monster things. I don't know if you mm. saw them, but they're mm. really cool, too. <laughs> I think he was actually selling um, some of some of these to vendors as well for them to do their own kind of creations with the um with the bats too oh i like that idea i like it i'm like this gives everyone more time to think of something new you know and everyone needs to always be thinking of something new in their booth because you don't want to come back to the same city with the same thing and then wonder why oh i didn't sell anything this year so right so tell us how uh, COVID-19 has affected uh, the, the expo. Because right now it's, uh, I know you guys had to cancel a bunch of, what, March, April, May, and you're looking at canceling me, possibly some June dates. Uh, yeah. yeah, tell us how, like your perspective as a, as a um, organizer of an expo that travels the United States, uh, what, what's your perspective on the virus? Yeah, well, it's definitely it's hard times right now for, you know, people in, in this industry in general. Um, we canceled everything in March, so that was three shows. It was going to be, like, a really busy March. <laughs> um, and then we canceled April, and that was one, just one show, luckily, and then we took a little break, and we canceled May, um, the second show. I haven't announced it yet, but it's going to be canceled too <laughs> or rescheduled per se, luckily. Mm. Um, and then June it's it's hard to say. I would love if June was better, but I feel more confident about July. Honestly, I feel like, you know, we're all waiting for this peak to happen. And I've been looking online at the whole projected peaks and all that across the country. Cause it's not even where it's not just where I live. It's where, where are we going to go? What are their peaks looking like? And, so I don't know. I just don't know what it's going to look like for June. And it's it's really scary because this is this is what my husband and I do. Uh, we also own a record store, but it's closed as well. So really, my life has completely stopped, and I feel useless almost because I'm so used to like constantly having emails, like constantly busy. And I love that. I'm not complaining. I like I like to be busy, and I like to you know, be excited and have something to look forward to. Like, okay, this weekend we're going to Dallas. Next weekend we're going to Columbus. It's like, I just my life. I like to travel. I like to do this. And for it to completely stop is like, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's life affecting. It's, it's really scary not to know what's going to happen. And all of the vendors that do our shows, you know, all the, let's see, four shows so far that have been, can- well, it will be five. So five shows, they're all out of, making money too and so it's just really sad and I hate to see the vendors and people that I care about because I've just become friends with all these people that I see like every other weekend and to see them struggling and it just it sucks and it's hard to know what will happen so really all I've been doing to overcome it on my side is I've been sharing vendors on our social media putting together blogs that have all of their websites and posting it because you know, if they can still make money and get by until we can get back to normal, then I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Are you canceling the the shows, the expos, because of 
regulations or is it just like personal choice not because you have to um i mean the cities aren't allowing them so it, i guess technically i'm i'm being forced to cancel them or reschedule them but i mean i would anyway it's like the safety of everyone is obviously of the most important part of it and with our show being so many traveling vendors it's like i just don't think it's a, it wouldn't be a good idea um, and I was telling um, Jeremy before we started, a city that we have um, coming up mid-May reached out today and, you know, like, are you still good to go? And I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea. Like, it seems too early. So I'm going to move forward with rescheduling that one just because I think it's in everyone's best interest. You know, our staff, our attendees, our vendors, the venue, <laughs> the city, <laughs> you know, that we're not bringing, you know, hundreds of people from other states into their state you know because we just don't know how this is going to turn out so, sadly i think it's a little of both which is hard to make that decision like as i desperately want to get back to shows and get back to normal life we just got to think of everyone else because it's all everyone's in it together so yeah. you know I, th I think that's like one of the big lessons that uh the whole world is really learning on a lot of levels right now how intimately connected literally everyone on the planet is i mean yeah yeah like if one country goes down if one supply chain goes down it ripples out and affects everything so i think now is a really good time for everyone to to really appreciate the social connections and um contacts and circles that we have and like yeah learn to really cherish them because the saying goes, you you don't really know what you got till it's gone, and so I feel like we're going through that now, and we'll make it out. But yeah, yeah, we will, and I totally agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of things are going to change too once this is finally over. Like I think that people are going to think about small business more, and they're going to realize how important that is to support small business, and and yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out but um for now it's you see a lot of everyone's good sides you know coming out and helping each other and you know just helping everybody get through it because that's really all you can do you know yeah it that, that's that's it that's all you can do right now yeah i agree it's like back to what you said going back to small local businesses sustainable practices and yeah. uh trading and even bartering and alternate forms of currency and exchange i think is going to help a lot of people through this because i mean large supply chains are going down um so in my life speaking personally i've you know i've been focusing more on like okay well what can i do to produce food or water or medicines for myself what plants can i grow what what can i do to be more self-sustainable and not yeah. rely yeah. on like going to a big chain grocery store or relying on you know even shipping from online vendors like bringing it back to the local like that's something that we've lost that our older generations and ancestors they for the most part they were really self-sufficient they had their own gardens they had their own um you know medicines they knew how to do all these things on their own and i think yeah. we're going to learn it the hard way so yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> so since you travel all over the United States, do you have any tips for travelers as to um, really uh, finding good accommodations or, you know, things uh, that you've noticed and experienced along the way that you've learned? Well, um, kind of hard to say because when I travel, especially for the shows anyways, I have like a whole crew with us and so I'm buying all of them hotel rooms and it's like, you know, <laughs> a total pain. But um, for a lot of the vendors who travel, you know, I know a lot of people do like Airbnbs and do like the typical, you know, kind of fun stuff like that. Um, but I mean, for me, I think the best thing about traveling is having like the credit cards that rack up your miles. <laughs> and like that is some some good stuff because uh, a lot of times we'll get free hotel rooms or 
you know, stuff like that. And for us, since we travel so frequently, it's a, like, it's a lifesaver sometimes. Like, oh, cool, I'm getting, like, two free hotel nights. That's, you know, $500 or something. Nice. Um, so I always, like, tell a bunch of vendors to do that. And I think a lot of people are like, that's a good idea. I should get one of those cards. <laughs> mm. But, and then also flying. We fly to some shows, too. And that, um, having one of those, like, mile cards was, like, pretty great, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, whenever we do travel... I am all about the adventures once we get there, um, especially in states that I haven't been to before. So I'm like looking up all the cool, creepy stuff to do. And, you know, like Atlas Obscura, of course, mm-hmm. is always a go-to. Like, all right, what's going on here in the state or, you know, the city? So, you know, it's hard. I think people are always into different things, so it's hard to know what they're interested in. And, you know, maybe someone's interested in the science museum, but mm. I'm interested in the cool old abandoned cemetery. So <laughs> 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 it's like... <laughs> yeah. So when you fly, do you ship your items or inventory freight, or do you just kind of sh- try and shove it all in one uh, suitcase and get it on the plane? Well, so we actually have two uh, box trucks that drive to all of our shows, um, and that's because we, so we take all of our merchandise, which is sometimes anywhere from twenty to thirty boxes. And, um, you know, we have, like, all of our banners and all of the kind of, like, production stuff. We own our stage. And actually, this year, we bought our own pipe and drape, which is all the things that people don't really think about going into a show. But it's all this kind of back-end stuff where, you know, renting the pipe and drape for every show, it it adds up. (laughs) It's a lot. So, um, you know, we were like, we should buy our own. And that added a few more crew members. But now they set up all everything in the in the room. So we get the room and it's completely empty. And our crew goes in there the day before and we set everything up. And then the vendors come and it's already like looks all nice. And there's like, you know, the black pipe and drape and all of that. So we actually have a ton of stuff. So whenever we fly, it's just, I just bring my personal items. And then the trucks have all of the show related items in them. So nice yeah it's grown into be quite the production (laughs) might be cool to uh decorate the box trucks if you haven't done so already i mean the the idea comes to mind like uh the merry pranksters back in the 60s how they they drove around the school bus decorated with flowers and tie-dye paintings and then like (laughs) something unique for for what you're doing just box trucks decorated with yeah. All the symbols, everything. Well, you know, it's uh, it's actually heartbreaking, but uh, we we had one box truck last year, and then this year is when we ended up buying the pipe and drape. So now we have two. And at the beginning, we're like, okay, we want to put something on the truck. Obviously, like to we're driving across the country, people might as might as well look at it and be like, oh, it's that. I'm gonna look it up on my phone. Right. So right. we go through all of this shit to <laughs> get our schedule on the box truck on both sides. So four, you know, two, two. Yeah. Um, and we do that. We finally get it done this year because it took a while. And uh, uh, then we go to Albuquerque. One week after we got it all no. done, everything canceled and everything uh, changed. Uh, Every time I come to my office okay. and I walk in, I look uh, at those damn trucks and I'm like... <sighs> Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> it's, yeah. all, it's all wrong now. So, yeah, my husband and I laugh about it every time. They're like, yeah, I remember when we spent, like, a whole week, like, every day. Because we did it ourselves. Because I'm like, you know, like, we like to do things ourselves. So we, like, get this, like, cool, like, banner thing that you put all around it. And then, yeah. And then now it's, like, all the wrong dates. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's how it usually goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, how can we fix this when I have to do it over again? I'm like, I don't think there's any fixing it. It's, it's too messed up now. <laughs> well, is it like vinyl or is it like uh, it is. painting? Yeah, so, I mean, like, luckily, so we were, like, looking into wrap, you know, but I'm like, I don't want to do that because, like, it can get damaged so easily. Mm-hmm. So we found this, like, really cool banner thing where you, like, install a banner on the outside of it and then you, or, like, a banner holder thing. And they print the banner, and we have, like, a really great banner connect. So print these huge banners. Luckily, we can get a new banner printed, but 
Like, I already said that when we first canceled the first two shows. I'm like, oh, we have to get a new banner for the truck. I'm so glad we didn't because it just kept coming. So I'm like, maybe we'll just wait till we know we're good. And then uh, maybe we'll print a new one. Yeah, or yeah. or like what would you consider just kind of like pe- like cutting and peeling off like the dates, like the like the date section? Because well, I I think I might have seen a photo of it on your Instagram where it's like yeah, it's like Oddities of Curiosities Expo, and then all the dates like a little smaller down the bottom. Could you just like yeah. kind of cut, peel off, and then slap a new one back on, or is it just one big unit that has to go on at once? It's uh, it's one big thing. So, um, I don't know. We, we might play around with it and see, you know, if it was like, I don't know, like there's not even a December section on there because we never have shows in December. We always take December off because mm. my husband and I always take like a two to three week trip somewhere. Um, but uh, that's not happening this year because now we have December dates. So, uh. yeah. maybe, maybe like a QR code that someone that people could just scan with their phone and then it takes them when to they're like... driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, the QR code just takes them to like a website that's like dynamic so you could like edit things as they go up, you know? Yeah. Um, know. Yeah. Like they like, it's useless right now. Just check our website. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So after traveling the United States, do you have like a top five favorite cities that you visited? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I found some cities that I love that I'd never been to and would have never thought that I would like, you know. Um, so Denver is like our home away from home. We have tons of friends there. We've been doing shows there forever. I say forever, so like 2013 or so. Um, you know, and we go there frequently anyway. So um, Denver was one of the first, the actually the first out-of-state city that we did with the show. And so that's always my number one favorite. Um, I really, really like San Diego. It's like, not just because it's San Diego and it's a beautiful, you know, city and state, but everyone there is so nice. And it was it was just great. So I love going there and looking at the beach and all that because I live in Oklahoma and it's <laughs> not that pretty. Um, <laughs> I also um, totally fell in love with Charlotte. It, mm. it's, it's like a weird, like different type of place and everyone's just really nice i think like the whole like people say like southern hospitality but it, it's like every time we go there everyone treats us really great and so i, I really like going the back there um and then portland it was actually my first time in portland when we were there mm-hmm. um last october and i love that city yeah too, yeah of course Something it's like about... so fun and so much vegan food i'm like oh, yes. cool you know, when I go to a place like something like Indianapolis, I'm like, where am I going to eat? Like, there's no vegan food here. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I was surprised about New Orleans. They they have like two vegan places for being like a major city. I'm yeah. Like, oh. uh, you know, New Orleans is such a fun place to go. Like yeah. the show itself, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, there are restrictions there mm-hmm. of like what you can have. And so the show itself is, one of our smaller shows across the country. And when people think like, oh my gosh, you're going to New Orleans, it's probably like the biggest one. Yeah. It's just it's just not because that stuff is more popular there. Like strange, unusual, like, you know, it's a great show, but it's, it's different. It's not what people really think. Um, but of course, I love going there because it's such a blast. And yeah. every time we go there, we take like two or three more days to like go to cemeteries and, you know, do all the weird voodoo stuff <laughs> and like all, all the fun. Yeah. I always love to do it. And then somehow someone in the crew always wants to go to Bourbon Street. And I'm like, y'all know it's going to be a shit show. Why are we going here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the cemetery, specifically in New Orleans. Oh, classic, amazing above ground cemeteries. So nice. They're beautiful. Like, just. You just wander around for hours just looking at all the like architecture and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's great i love it it's yeah. just so hot there oh my like, god oh jeez. Oh, yeah I'm i like, went i was thousand percent humidity right now <laughs> it's non-stop it's unbelievable completely unbelievable i've been there i was there once in september 
last year, t- t- 2019, 2019. Yeah. So last, and, um, I was there in September and yeah, it was so humid, <laughs> so humid. And then I was there this past January and it was still humid. I'm driving down from Pennsylvania and I'm, I'm like, Oh, how come my like windshields like fogging up a little bit? I'm like, I don't know. Like I had my, my, um, AC on, on inside or some like some sort of AC heat or something. I don't know. And then as soon as I opened the door, poof, it hit me. It was just the yeah. new Orleans humidity. I didn't expect it because yeah. it was snowing in Pennsylvania and I get to new Orleans and humid. Wow. I got spoiled real quick. I I'm like, Oh my, I don't yeah. want to leave. I don't want to go back to the snow. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I never snow. So I like, I like the snow. Oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, I, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I enjoy me a good snowfall, but just like driving around in the snow is not, not ideal. Yeah, and, and plus my, <laughs> with my, um, like my art studio, like where I do my sanding, dremeling, uh, sawing, all that kind of like stuff that creates all kinds of dust and whatnot. That one is, um, it's not, I guess it's not really too well insulated. So I have to like show up, get my heaters going and then I could kind of like relax at the studio. So it's like the winter time is like, oh, I have to like psych myself up to get to the studio <laughs> to turn the heaters on and then get into the in the zone. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned uh, Portland. Yeah, it was my first time there doing the uh, Oddities Expo and it was so much fun. Definitely one of my favorite cities throughout the United States, yeah. Portland. Yeah, it was so fun. And it was so pretty whenever we went. Like, I, one morning I, uh, I woke up super early cause I was really off on the time and I just like drove up to this, like, I don't even know what it was. Just, it was like above the city and it was all foggy and all the leaves were super pretty. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> like, yeah. I love going back there and that I, I'm excited. I'm going to keep that show there every October because oh, it's like yeah. such a good time to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> It was fun. Yeah, it was wild. Um, the weekend before, I was in Los Angeles for Comic-Con. And uh, after I was vending there, then I'm like, okay, I'll drive up from California. And it was just like, as soon as you hit, like, north, north um, California, like, above San Fran, like, on the border, it just gets so woodland-y, you know? Like, you're driving through these, like, um, like uh, I don't want to say, like... Um, canyons but just these huge like like you're going over mountaintops and you're winding down the hills it's just it was such a great drive yeah definitely one of my faves i just took i5 straight up and it was just nice to pull in like that into portland and uh yeah one of the things i did while i was there i i did a handful of things like you mentioned i checked out atlas obscura for uh good things to do i checked out i went on a hike i checked out the uh have you seen the witch witch's house it's like a oh yeah it's like a it's a pretty simple hike you just kind of walk down and it's like the witch's house it's it's uh it's pretty much just like an, an abandoned stone structure in the middle of the woods but the hike is so nice what i, I don't know what kind of trees they had i don't know that kind of stuff but i just remember seeing there were these like leaves that, probably like maple leaves or something but they were like probably like twice the I size of my head they're huge yeah, yeah huge and here in pennsylvania you don't get leaves that big so it was just like a lot of fun just seeing the the difference oh and the moss too the moss that just grows yes. up the tree trunks and stuff it's just like those little details are great because like especially when i do photo shoots and stuff like i really vibe with the with the location and and start looking for li- little details like that and so it's just like yeah. it's, it's really interesting seeing the differences yeah, it's a beautiful place i want to go back and spend more time and just in oregon like i want to yeah. leave portland i want to go to like all over your oregon and daedra my assistant she is from oregon so mm. she was actually up there for um, even longer after that to stay and like see family and all that and all of her photos I'm like I want to go back and you just need to show me Oregon <laughs> well yeah. fun fact if uh, if you hear anything about the sea lions cave the sea lions are not there in the fall they're only there in like the summer warm months because 
in October, that's when they go out and they fish and they hunt and they like try and get their blubber up, get fat right. for the winter. Because uh, I was that was kind of like I, I took a detour to hit that just to check it out, see what's going on with the sea lions. And uh, yeah, I get all the way down in the cave because like you have to buy a ticket, you have to walk down, take an elevator down into the cave, and there are no lions. I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, oh great. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. it was a nice cave, you know, <laughs> you know, it looked pretty cozy. <laughs> cool cave. Yeah. No sea lions, though. Yeah, yeah so there yeah. you go. Fun fact. Uh, don't expect to see sea, sea lions in the fall. Oh, that's good to know, because I would definitely be seeking out the sea lions and yeah. going to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I want to bark at the sea lions. I want to bark. I want to be part of their, their culture there, but <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> You mentioned you have a record store. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I, we collect records, and we have for years. We're just record collectors in general. And uh, we actually opened up a like live music venue slash kind of record store, clothing store, um, back in 2015, I think. And uh, since it was a live music venue, it was like all ages, like super DIY, and it lasted for a year because, um, you know, kids like drinking and like getting on the roof and shit. Like it was, it was chaos. Um, so it was great, but the side of the store aspect, you know, we really wanted to keep that. But when we got the space, it was how it was set up was, okay, this was like meant to be a live music venue. And then there was like a little storefront. So we ended up closing back in 2016 and then, um, you know, we've been selling online ever since then. So whenever the Oddities Expo started, like, really ramping up, we're like, you know, we have all this, all these records, all this inventory. We need, like, a big building for, like, a new office. And we found this place, and it's perfect. <laughs> so we have all of our Oddities, um, you know, merch and storage and all of that in the back part of this building. And the front part was perfect for our store. So we opened it back up again um, in 2019, and it's called Boulevard Trash, and uh, yeah, it's great. We focus on like punk and hardcore and metal, and you know, we book like a lot of like shows locally in our city and stuff, and so that's what we do. It's really sad to be closed, because we're the only store here mm. in our area that specializes in like alternative culture music, basically. So, yeah, and you know, I'm just going to add a bunch of stuff online now mm. <laughs> like you know and you're only closed during the pandemic right you're not closed permanently yeah. oh i gotcha yeah no luckily luckily you know that we won't run into that since you know we kind of double this building as like our offices and you know stuff like that so luckily we're we're good in that in that sense so it's it's just a great little spot you know we store our trucks here and we have like an outdoor garage area for like you know building stuff like tony built, built all of our like record um shelves and all that so yeah it's been it's been good i'm really happy we're open again and you know back when we first opened there's no way we could have hired an employee or anything to uh, run our store <laughs> but now we're gone all the time so we have an employee and they work and um, it's pretty great we actually have an upstairs too which we're transforming into an apartment so if you've heard any like banging around, that's my husband up there, like building a kitchenette. So, but one of our friends is going to be moving in there in a couple of weeks. And so we've been busy doing that and it's been nice to be like busy. But as soon as we're done with that, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what draws you into vinyl as opposed to say <laughs> CDs or cassettes or MP3s? Like what, what does vinyl mean yeah. to you? Um, you know, like growing up into punk, it's like all of my favorite punk bands, like they would put out vinyl and I just thought it was so cool. <laughs> like being younger, like I've been collecting records for like probably since I was 15 or 16 and same with Tony before we met, like he had a big record collection as well. And it's just, I think like it depends on like the subculture, but in punk and hardcore and it's like. All, you know, we just, like, records never went away, basically. And so it's just, I've always been really interested in collecting, you know, these 
specific records or like you know it, it and to me i like like originals of course like first pressings and stuff but it doesn't even matter i just like the idea of collecting them and having them and we have and we have thousands of records at home and then our store has you know we'll buy buy people's collections and i'm like i'll just peek through this first and see what i want before putting it in the store but i just think it's just a, the best way to listen to music like it's to me you know it's some people prefer CDs or, I mean, I don't even know anymore. Does anyone listen to CDs anymore? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like probably just live like streaming or whatever, which of course I listen to Spotify and all that. But I mean, we have a record player at our store that we use just sitting around listening to music. And then, you know, at home we have a record player too that we, you know, that's like the preferred way to listen to music in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, even with the uh, the film industry, it's uh, it's funny. I did a art exhibition in San Antonio uh, recently. I just kind of shipped out. Um, I want to display my dark art house films, and so I put them all on a DVD and sent it with a DVD player. And like even like that technology felt kind of like old and yeah. weird. <laughs> you know? it's, so, it's like so quickly. It's like okay, never mind. No one no one does that anymore. It's yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny because a lot of people, they'll kind of stumble upon our store and they're like, wow, people still listen to records? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's like making a comeback. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. I hear that all the time from people, but I'm like, I don't know. Never, I don't keep up with it, really. It's just, mm-hmm. this is what I like. So mm-hmm, if you like it, mm-hmm. cool, but if not, whatever. <laughs> you know. So you mentioned you also have uh, like a music venue, right? Like you book uh, bands and stuff like that. Yeah, so we don't actually have a, we don't own a music venue any further, but we did. Um, oh. But we don't anymore, so we just look around town. Um, mm. You know, sadly, not right now. We just had a mm. few shows cancel, but, um, you know, we have, we just have so many friends from all over the world that are in bands, and Tony, he used to, like, tour in a band, like, for years and years before we met, or, I mean, that's how we met, is him being in a traveling band. So we just know so many people, and so it's like, it's fun to be able to give them a place to play here in our state, which, you know, it's like for punk and hardcore, it's Oklahoma. So you don't really think of it being like a Mecca for punk or, you know, but it's actually pretty good. It's like, it's, 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 we have a good like music scene here. And so it's, it's fun. We have, we get cool bands that come through and we book them when we can. And, you know, a lot of times we'll book really cool bands that we're friends with and stuff. And then it's like, oh, well, we have a show in Ohio, so we're not actually going to be here. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that, that part does. <laughs> oh, so you kind of act as like a uh, kind of like the ambassador for bands where it's like, hey, uh, we'll be coming through, say, Oklahoma. And you're like, oh, well, I know this venue. And then you kind of like book them at the venue. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. About. Yeah. Basically. So, um you know, and especially if they like prefer like a, a, an all ages show, you know, we have like a, like a house here that does like all ages basement shows, which is cool and like super DIY. And I'm all about the like DIY, yeah. you know, I, I love that. I've never really been about like super, super like, I don't know, corporate big shows or concerts or whatever. But, um, you know, I like the booking it in the basement and uh, everyone's drinking vodka from their water bottle or whatever but <laughs> um, that's fun yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then uh you know it's it's like obviously as we've gotten older it's easier to book at bars but you know mm-hmm. it's, it's really important to me anyway to be able to give kids the opportunity to go to shows because when i was a kid i don't know if i would be where i was if i didn't have the like accessibility to like live music at a house or something that I could actually go to, you know. But what, what kind of plants are you growing? Um, well, every year I, as far as like a vegetable garden, I always have like the basics, like broccoli and cauliflower and tomatoes and peppers because then I, you know, got to make salsa. Um, you know, I have like the herbs, like basil and mint. Actually, mint is like, God, mint just like takes over. Mm. It takes over everything. Like it's like my entire backyard is just mint because one time I planted mint somewhere and it just like so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this year um, I think I'm gonna do all the basics and then uh, maybe like some squash, make some cucumber, I make some pickles later, 
So, mm. yeah. So we have a pretty, like, large, we have a big backyard, and then we have, like, a whole sectioned off area that is the garden area that's away from all my dogs. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to try to come up with some new stuff maybe this year. Nice. Uh, you said, what, you make salsa? Do you have any other, like, recipes or stuff that you make? Well, not specifically from the uh, from the garden, but I really want to make my own spaghetti sauce from my garden. That is our goal this year, actually, because mm. um, Tony is like super Italian, so <laughs> I'm always like, "All right, gotta find this Italian recipe." But um, yeah, I would like to get everything, like all the spices and everything, to make like the sauce ex- exactly how it's wanted. Nice, yeah. uh, Joshua. You so, mentioned cooking. So. Hmm. Joshua, you mentioned that you're thinking about doing a garden. Do you do your garden every year, or? Uh, yeah. A uh, quick question: How is my video coming up for you? Yeah, it's is fine. It... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like before. My... Oh, yeah. My screen is showing a totally different story. Um, all right, I'll trust you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's why I was kind of playing around with it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, usually I'll try to garden every year. Um, this year, uh, we're living in the city, so we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of room to grow food per se. So we're going to focus more on like herbs, medicinal herbs, uh, flowers, um, nothing too demanding. Um, although we do have access to a lot of land, um, so we might actually expand a little bit and start growing food items and maybe um even like uh what's the word start an apiary um we, we know people who uh keep bees and stuff like oh, that cool. so, yeah so i mean there's a lot of really interesting opportunities this year uh and now is like the perfect time to really dive into gardening and sustainable living mm-hmm. so uh, I'm I'm jumping right in. I have a list of all these things I want to grow. Um, yeah, so cheers to that. I think yeah, that's fun. Yeah, nice. So before we wrap it up, Joshua, is there any final words? That you, uh, anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah. So I'd just like to recap and say that um, it, it seems to me that the most the most potential for energy where power and energy and profit if you want to call it profit um, in a monetary way but really the core of it is energy and power comes from the difference between two polarities and it seems like um, really what counterculture and um, everything that's out of the mainstream counterculture is there's like huge potential for profit and growth and more power and energy and expansion in that difference because it's in the the subconscious so everyone associated with that um is just looking for that rallying point so to speak the the expos the businesses that are promoting that and everyone everyone who feels connected to that is there's just huge there's like a tidal wave of potential and i think that um like what you're doing like what we're doing actually is just riding that wave and like bringing that to the forefront and speaking it and yeah and bringing it to mainstream culture and connecting all those dots and making the the center point for that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it, it allows individuals to almost uh, feel normal, you know, like it just because no one really knows where their interests spawn from, you know, it's like, oh, what got me into making skulls, you know, like I just so it's it's great to see that we as a community can come together and support and like cultivate that in individuals to allow them to explore you know their interests that maybe they they have to hide from those around them so i think yeah no i, I yeah i totally agree with you yeah and i, I think I, and i love to see it mm-hmm yeah, and I think the expos are just an ideal place to go and just explore with an open mind and see what, you know, the rest of the world has to offer individuals. 
Michelle, yeah, is, is I, Michelle, is there anything uh, you want to talk about or maybe something we didn't mention or, you know, just some ending words? Yeah, um, I mean, not really. I feel like we had a great conversation. It was really nice to um, see two people that I don't see and, <laughs> you know, be social for a second because yeah. it's just so rare right now. Um, but, um, yeah, I really appreciate, like, the support that you show, you know, for our show and, you know, inviting me to talk to you and all that. It's been, it's been great. So I'm really, really happy, and I'm really happy to have you involved in our show and just keep keep it going see where we can end up i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh where can the audience learn more about you the expos and what you're doing yeah um everything you could possibly want to know is just on our website which is oddities and curiosities expo.com and then same for our social media it's just oddities and curiosities expo great All right, Michelle, well, thank you so much for all the work that you do in uh, allowing individuals to really explore themselves and their interests for that. We thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching the Death Science Podcast. For updates and new episodes, subscribe right now. It's quick to deathscience.org. Remember that we all must die one day. So talk to your loved ones now about your post-life plans for your body. Learn more about creative and beneficial post-life plans at restingground.org. I'm Jeremy signing off. Thank you and memento mori.